Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast, the only one that's recorded it live in person. It's a pretty big deal. Uh, I am joined by Kevin Glenn, who is my friend from work and who we've seen at least two Star Wars movies together, right? That is true, I believe. They were both bad. Uh, that is also true. Yes, correct. <laughs> you don't have to lead it to talk into the mic. Yeah, but I'm going to continue <laughs> to do so. Doing that? That's okay. just that's part of the okay. bit. So it's a one person bit. Okay. It's just for you. But. We, might need to, we might need to adjust the levels here a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, so, um, Kevin, thank you for joining me. We've been wanting to do this for a while. Uh, the other guys, as I said, are not Star Wars fans, but I am an extraordinarily big Star Wars fan, as are you. I mean, um, I like it, but yeah. <laughs> well, wait, hold on. What you like it? Now we gotta get, get out of here. Um, so, uh, I'm gonna guide us through. I, I want to discuss all eleven movies to some extent. I know that sounds a little exhausting. Um, I do think we should in- introduce you a little bit. Uh, people might know your voice from the first episode of this year's Fixie Awards. You had a very interesting take on Little Women and Knives Out. Which I'm glad we have because that will I think will play into this because it's directed by Ryan Johnson who, of course, did one of your favorite, uh, The Last Jedi, which has been a point of controversy between the two of us. Um, but that's okay. So I want to start with this. I was thinking on my I, I've been listening to a bunch of podcasts and getting ready for this. You have notes, which is very impressive. Three pages of uh, single space notes. I have nothing in front of me. <laughs> um, and I was trying to think of what. So Star Star Wars, the first movie, came out in 1977. The last movie in that first trilogy, Return of the Jedi, came out 1983. I must have, the earliest I can imagine that I watched these movies, which I remember getting in the four tape, uh, cassette cassette tape series, the fourth, the fourth movie being from Star Wars to Jedi, the making of a, tr- of a trilogy, which I th- must have been the beginning of my interest in making movies. It had to have been. Um... The earliest I could have possibly started to watch that is maybe five, which would mean that was 1989, 1990. So even at least 10 years after the first movie, 13 years after the first movie, this was still being introduced to young kids and has been and continues to be um, since for 42, 43 years. Um, And there are a lot of movies that like you watch over and over again, you know, like uh, Jaws from that time period, but I don't think anything has the lasting impact of this mo- of these movies, and I'm not really sure why. Like, they have built an entire industry around these films, and I'd like to kind of know your your personal introduction to, to Star Wars, but I also want to know because you're a very thoughtful person about things like this, why you think this is this this storyline has endured for so long. I mean, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, well, okay, so I think my first interaction with Star Wars is, well, I don't, I guess I don't remember the first time I interacted with Star Wars, so that makes me feel like less of a thoughtful person, but um, I can remember my dad buying a new sound system on some sort of like Super Bowl Sunday, but like the day before Mm -hmm. for Super Bowl, and he came home, and the first thing he put on was whatever VHS copy of Star Wars we had. Right. Right, because he knew that the best way to show off this new TV and sound system was to play the, like, the crawl and, you know, the, whatever, the Lucasfilm sound, the 20th Century Fox sound, all of that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's sort of one of my earliest memories of it, I guess. Um, why Star Wars is still a thing, <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to know. I mean, I do think 
If you would have asked me before Rise of Skywalker, I would have said <laughs> because it's like a very, very controlled single storyline. Right. You know, like and that and that Hollywood took it very seriously and they weren't doing sort of silly spin-offs that could actually affect the the sort of core of it. Right. Um, I don't think that's really true anymore. But so I part of me thinks it's just it is a thing because it is a thing. Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. Like I it's like how many people are, if you just, I mean, for example, okay, take the Chinese audience, right? From my understanding of it, Star Wars is not a thing in China. No, it's right? not a big thing. No, not at all. Like, I mean, it makes money because it's still Disney and right. it's a big spectacle and whatever. But like, the, it just doesn't have that cultural memory there. Sure. Like, it doesn't mean things, you know, parents don't pass it on to their kids. There is no memory of seeing it opening day in 1977 or whatever, which every single one of our parents has. Right. Or not opening day, but when it was in the sure. theaters, right? And without that, Star Wars is just another, like, Fast and the Furious. You know, Star Wars is sure. another Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, honestly, I think Harry Potter's probably better. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's another well- known and respected and big tentpole franchise movie, but it's not this sort of like ingrained in the culture thing like it is in America. Um, and I don't know if that has anything to do with quality anymore. I mean, I think if you if you go back and watch A New Hope, it's it's a thing. Yeah. Right? Like, you, I think a lot of the joy you get out of it is because it's a thing you remember and it's activating these sort of like nostalgia muscles in your in your head. But... I'm not sure it's a great movie. Right. And I think it's it's not even fair really because it's it's gone under such it's been updated so that it's sure. got so much technology and visual effects that it looks like a movie made today when in fact it probably wasn't. Although the if special effects are extraordinary, but But yeah, I mean I don't even know what like when I watch that it's not like, "Oh wow, I can't believe it aged so well." Right. Like when you watch Die Hard. I, okay, I was literally on the plane back this weekend. And this old man couldn't figure out his computer, so I helped him figure out his computer. And I was very happy that I helped him figure it out nice. because then he watched Die Hard. Right. Like he had all the movies available to him from Alaska, and he chose to watch Die Hard. On his computer? On his computer. Okay. Well, you know, because they don't have the thing in the seat backs anymore. Oh, like okay. that's not a thing anymore. Right. At least in any plane I've been in in a while. Okay. So he's watching Die Hard. I'm very happy for him. And then at the end, he was like, you know, it's just amazing how well that movie has aged. Like, how did they do that? Yeah. And. I don't think Die Hard's been updated. No. You know? And so, yeah, you can look back at Die Hard and be like, wow, this is actually a really impressive movie that you're doing all these huge explosions on top of the Nakatomi Tower or whatever, sure. Plaza. And like, it happened, and this is what audiences saw in 1980 blank. Right? Mm -hmm. But when I watch A New Hope, it's like, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe audiences saw this in 1977. And it's like, they, oh, hard <laughs> they stop. Did, they really. didn't. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, they saw these, like, be actors doing right. doing their their thing, but the special effects that are amazing, I'm not sure they saw any of those. Mm. Mm -hmm. What about your personal connection? Why did you think you liked those movies so much when you were a kid? Something I've been thinking about, but Star Wars, I think, meant more to me in the prequels because I think the prequels are more thematically rich than the original trilogy. Wow, big words! You heard it here first. <laughs> No, I just like the the original trilogy is is very clean cut, and I think the like Empire Strikes Back deserves all the credit it gets for being a really like sort of complicated and challenging sequel. Mm -hmm. In I mean, it didn't necessarily invent that concept, right? Because Godfather Part Two comes out before it, 
presumably. I don't know the dates of these. Yeah, about uh, six years earlier. Okay. So, like, it's not the first morally complex, like, you know, right. sequel to a, an easier blockbuster, right? right? Um, but it is, you know, maybe one of the first ones to do that in a much lighter arena, right? Sure. Like, Godfather Part 1 is not a, a light movie, no. right? Whereas Star Wars Part 1 super is. For right? kids, yeah, as you yeah. said. Yeah. I mean, it's just like there's no complexity to any character in that home. Maybe Han Solo is like kind of a criminal with a heart of gold. Sure. But You mean the first Star Wars. Yeah, sorry, yeah. A New Hope. Um, you know, so Empire Strikes Back is, is more complex than that, but Return of the Jedi is not. And the only complexity to it is that like Luke wins the day by being a good person, not by being like a superhuman. Right. You know? Um, but you know, the prequels, I think, especially Attack of the Clones and in particular Revenge of the Sith are kind of challenging movies. You know, I think they are, um, they require you to care about politics and to care about sort of, you know, systems in decay and like what that allows people with nefarious um, goals to do. You know, when like, when you're sort of me or you're, what am I trying to say? When your norms are starting to fall apart. Right. Right. Like by the end of Revenge of the Sith, yes, the Emperor is, or like, Chancellor Palpatine is evil and do, is about to do truly evil things. But like the Jedi are also talking about taking power away from the Senate. Right? Like that's not that's not unambiguously the right choice. Sure. I mean they even say it's not the right choice, but they, you know, I just I think that movie is willing to deal with gray areas and complexities and people who are good people who do bad things mm. in a way that I don't really feel like the original trilogy does sure it's more a little more black and white yeah 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 okay i i, I get that i understand that and so do you th here's my question do you think that george lucas knew that when he was like when he was making the first three movies extraordinary i think you know as we talked about on the uh the phantom menace podcast it kind of turned into an industry and he had to sort of step back from the movies to sort of manage what was becoming this billion-dollar business. Thousands of terrible books. Books, inventing different companies, all the fallout, whatever. Um, but do you think that when he was making those movies, because he still had a creative hand in them, that he expected when he would make this the prequels, I think what's interesting about the prequels is that they are, that they're, they're sort of, um, what am I trying to say? They're, they're sort of, you know, proudly, like within the confines of what you would expect, you know, like they, they do a pretty, they, they stick to that. What you're describing pretty, um, pretty honestly. And, and I, I'm not really expressing myself. What I'm saying is like, you know, he, he had all these ideas, which, which are kind of referenced in, in the, in the first three movies, this like idea that, you know, that they were these great, the, the, the Republic and that they, this is a great time for Jedis. And this, this is a, the period of the first three movies was after all this great society had collapsed and you go back and you're seeing, as you described, like all that stuff collapsing. And that's really what those movies were about. They weren't about, and, and I mean, it's, it's through the lens of Anakin Skywalker who we know and we're no, we know he's going to turn into Darth Vader, but he was pretty faithful to those ideas. And so my, you know, despite the fact that this is a, in, by the time he makes it in 90, starts making it in like 97, 
it's this huge industry for kids. And now he's making three more. He's decided to make these three more movies over, you know, for for a decade that are essentially about, you know, politics and all these other things. Yeah, I mean, I think George Lucas was happy. Uh, Phantom Menace aside, I think the the second two prequels, he was happy to just be like, yeah, I don't care what you're looking for. Hmm. I'm gonna tell the story I want to tell. I do think any argument that he makes that, like, I wrote these stories decades ago kind of falls apart when you watch Revenge of the Sith. And, like, there's a lot of sort of mid-2000s era politics, right. like, interspersed in that. Like, you know, I mean, Dick Cheney is essentially a non-credited character right. in Revenge of the Sith. So I don't, I don't think those are just, well, this is the story. I got to tell it. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, yeah. I don't know. But... But I do, I think, but okay, to your point of did it just tell the story that you thought they were going to tell, I'm not sure though that they did. I mean, like I think the, and and that leads to these sort of weird moments of cognitive dissonance when you watch the original trilogy now and Obi-Wan's like, it was a golden era. Right. And it's like, really? Because. It wasn't really. No, and like slavery was illegal in quotation marks, but practiced throughout the Republic and like. There was deep income inequality with like, you know, terrible poverty below the top level of Coruscant. And like all the bureaucrats were bought and paid for. And the Trade Federation seems to be like an actual government Mm. slash corporation. You know, it's like an East India trading company or whatever. You know, like this is not a golden era. This isn't even a really a good era. But isn't it kind of that's the point? It's like it's these times crumbling, starting to crumble when we when we go back to them. Yeah, I think so. Although, I mean, I would be interested to see, like, a prequel trilogy a thousand years before that. And maybe it turns out maybe the Old Republic was just kind of terrible the whole time. Right. Well, well that was going to be the Game of Thrones guys were going to do the Old Republic. Oh, really? Movie Trilogy. Well, and I would have watched that. And then they were fired or they quit, depending on who, who you believe. I, I like the ideas you're talking about. And I and I, and I, I think you know, we'll get to this, but on the, during the new movies... Um, Seven, eight, nine. I I did find myself being like, God, I kind of wish, kind of wish George Lucas was here. (laughs) Yeah, like I just think it's. I do think it is time for a critical revisit to the to the prequels. Yeah, like I, I, and I rewatched them, and I I watched all of them in preparation for Rise of Skywalker, which is probably why I was so disappointed in the final movie. But like. (laughs) Phantom Menace is bad. I'm I am not here to say it's good. Yeah, and like Attack of the Clones has some genuinely horrible stretches. Just dozens of minutes where you're like, I can't believe I'm still watching this. This is bad. But it also has some really good ideas in there. And then Revenge of the Sith is like, good, period. Capital G, good, period. But I just felt like those movies, the way they were made, were just very stale. Yeah, for and, sure. And like... Um, and I don't think that works until Revenge of the Sith when they got the directive to be stale. Like, I think that movie is purposefully sort of Elizabethan in its... But what do you mean? Why? Like, Why I, I think, and maybe this is just me, like, in some sort of weird Stockholm Syndrome <laughs> defending a movie that I've decided I like, but I really do think the acting in that is wooden on purpose. Okay. Like, Why? Because these people are supposed to be, like, senators and chancellors and presidents and Jedi masters, <laughs> and they are at the peak of their society. Like, this is this is like going to, you know, 
the fanciest dinner at Michael Bloomberg's house or something. Like, <laughs> Not to get through <laughs> But, you know, like we saw on uh, at the debate, Michael Bloomberg is also wooden and cold mm-hmm. and has difficulty expressing emotion. And it's possible that when you get to the top of any society, you become sort of like a performative robot. Well, I do think that's really interesting. Like, you spend... Star Wars through uh, Return of the Jedi being like, oh, the Jedi. And, and Luke wants to be this Jedi. And he like so he's like a little kid fanboy for the Jedi in the first movie. And then you go back and it's like, I mean, it seems on accident, but they're like, these guys are square and like not very much fun. And they're kind of wrong about everything. They were wrong about everything. And that's yeah. okay. Like that's, again, I think a rich thematic decision. Right, like to make these like unassailable heroes, right? Like the the original trilogy, not once does any character other than Darth Vader sort of explain to the viewer that the Jedi were useless and like sort of dogmatic bound and like more obsessed with rules than the outcomes of any of their actions, right? right? And the trilogy, the prequels deal with that and show how that destroyed them. And then The Last Jedi is the only one of the new one that continues that thread. Right. Whereas the ones on either side of them are like, uh-huh, the Jedi were great. Can't wait to bring him back. Right, right, right. They just misunderstood. Because um, you know, you just look at Yoda. Like, look, imagine the, the introduction to Yoda in Empire, even now, I think, is really clever. He's this little, like, energetic little frog. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you figure out who he is. And he's a little more subdued, but he's still kind of mouthy. And But, like, in the prequels, he's this, like boring, like, dogmatic guy who's like, you know, don't do anything. Let's not do anything yeah. about anything. Yeah, who and, had to have all of his bad mistakes shoved in his face right. and be, like, exiled after losing everything for 20 years in order to have a personality. Right. You know? And that personality was crazy hermit. Right. Right. But delightful. I mean, that little that little Muppet's just adorable. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else about the prequels? Uh, the music's great. I'm just, you know, the music's perfect. I listen to it all the time. It's great. John Williams. Yeah, John Williams is doing his best work in in the prequels. And is there anything else good about it? I don't mean to, like, you know, bring up the whole, uh, you know, when we when we tend to get pedantic on this uh, podcast and say, you know, we only notice the things that you know not everybody notices. Mm. But for someone who may not have be so inclined to how they make movies, as a normie, as a normie. Do you, did you did you feel that like those characters, not just the characters, the acting, but like the filmmaking was a little wooden and um, I don't know, a little stale? Did that come across? I mean, it's it's ex- they're doing a lot of exciting things. There's some beautiful shots. There's some you know the scenes that are like largely, almost like entirely visual effect shots where I don't think you know George Lucas is c- touching a camera at all. Most of it is designed by visual effects artists. It's amazing. But like, and I know what you mean about the the performances are wooden, but like you've got some great actors in there. And like the only one who really came out unscathed was um, Ewan McGregor. And And Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, I mean, but I thought he was also bad. But he also was, he clearly didn't follow the rules. Like he had more personality than everyone put together. A little bit, a little bit. And, and, and maybe Liam, he just has hard a hard time like turning it off, yeah. you know. And Liam Neeson a little bit, but like even sure. he was like, you know, he wasn't in it for very long. Yeah, but Christian Haydenson does not have trouble turning it off. Hayden Christensen, <laughs> it honestly doesn't matter. But like, yeah, he does not have trouble turning it off. 
but we talked about just how bad and we and we, on the on the on the um phantom menace podcast we talked about like how bad th- that jar jar binks character is racist yep. blah 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 yep um and you know jake lloyd who is terrible and both of those guys just like had awful lives because of that movie like yeah. honestly shows how important those films are to people that they just were Anyways, it's not. I mean, in, but to your question, in terms of filming, no, I did didn't not. Feel that, that way. It doesn't feel that way. I get what you're saying, and I believe you, right? Like, but, but yeah, I mean, when I think of the prequels, I think of like that amazing 20 minute opening in Revenge of the Sith of just like swirling camera in a space sure. battle. Sure. You know, and like that space battle is amazing. Yeah. You know, and like, and the the soundtrack works so perfectly, and like. I mean, yeah, it's all nonsense. Like, wh- why is there sound in space? And, like, why are ships sinking when they... And that's not what I mean, but there's still yeah. energy to it. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think there's so much energy. And then the rest is, yeah, it's staged very formally. But, again, I, th- I think... And this is me, again, maybe making excuses for it. But I think that formal staging of, like, the camera and the actors works in the final chapter because that is a formal chapter. Because they are the end of a republic, sure. you know? Okay. Whereas like in the second one, it's trying to do that same formal acting and formal staging in a love story. Right. And it's like, this doesn't work at all. No. You know, and Natalie Portman, despite my complaints that her <laughs> biggest claim to fame is crying. You know, I mean, she's an excellent crier. Right. Whatever. Um, she is a really good actress, you know, even though Mila Kunis is the good part of Black Swan. But, but not in this one. No, Mila Kunis was sadly not cast. No. In, in the Star Wars prequels. Although Keira Knightley is in it. So, okay, so those these movies come out, and I just want to paint a little bit of a picture. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in a little bit of how, and I, even with Jeremy and Lee, I, I feel like I'm there's a little bit of resistance from them as well. Like I think I'm a little more interested in this than they are. But I'm, I am interested in how the behind-the-scenes thing kind of shaped the creative um, output of all these films. And so, okay, you've got these three movies. Lucas decides to make them. He directs all of them. He he co-writes two of them. I think he's got some help writing the second two movies, which is probably why they're better. Um, and they he, they come out three years apart, um, and they're both they're all like extremely successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Phantom Menace the most, but um, the ch- other two movies did very well. Um, and then everything stayed kind of is dormant for a while. And then when I say dormant, like there's like ILM and Lucasfilm are still putting out, like you said, books. There's the Clone Wars cartoons, which are incredibly successful and yeah, like, have shaped the the canon a little bit. I know. Apparently, those cartoons are really good, but also I I can't get past the bad animation. It's really bad animation. Yeah, so I've um, never watched any of them. Yeah. But I have heard consistently that they are good. Jump to, I think, 2013. Okay. Um, Lucas is like, I love having all this money. I'd like more money because, <laughs> and to be fair, like you said, he's a good guy, and he's. I think I. I think he committed to giving all his Lucasfilm money away. So Disney bought it for four billion, seven billion, something like that, um, in 2013, and George Lucas has done whatever with it. He's not involved anymore. So it was how much? It was a little less than ten years in between the movies, um, and so Disney buys it, and they put Kathleen Kennedy in charge of making three new movies, and they commit to right away making a Star Wars movie every year. Jeez. That was their commitment. We're yeah. going to make a Star Wars movie every year. Well, they got to make that $4 billion back. Got to make the $4 billion back. Um, and so I'd like to know your, a couple, I have a couple questions for you, but I, for one, was excited. Um, at that point, Disney had done great work with um, 
Marvel. Like they had fostered that relationship and they had turned that into a really successful, you know, amazing trilogy. I, I'm not trilogy, but series of movies. Um, you are. Muscle I mean, muscle. just amazing is a really strong word. Like not a amazing. really good series of movies. That's, you know, uh, Thor 2 exists. So like. I agree. Not, they're not all down. great. They're, yeah. not, they're not all great. But yeah. but if you look at the collective, it, it hadn't been done before. Let's just say that. Sure. So I think it was well managed from a studio point Except of view. For like the, well, yeah, you're right. It, yep, you're right. You're right. You're okay. Right. Okay. So they they decide they're going to make a, a Star Wars movie a year. There's going to be the main trilogy. And then there's going to be these spinoff movies. Right? So, early, so let me ask you this. My first question for you is this. Now, I, you... you Provided a, a powerful lesson to me when we were talking at when we had in 2017 watched Last Jedi, and there was all this fan reaction, negative fan reaction, and you were you said something to me like you know it's not about your what you want for these characters, it's about the movie, and that reminded me of the thing that we always say on this podcast, which is like we're not trying to be we shouldn't be prescriptive, we should mm-hmm. sit down, watch this movie as the director and the people who made this film intended, and analyze it. F- as such not like well you know what this should have been is this because if we did that everything would be a 19th century naval battle movie because i that's i would turn everything into that or so just master and commander yeah, over for the re- like the rest of time exactly yeah and so so you're and so that was powerful so but I, I to sort of break that rule a little bit what were you hoping these next three movies was gonna be that's okay because I, I do. I remember being excited when they bought it and it's like, oh, it's going to be a new trilogy. And and I remember, I don't, I can't remember exactly what I wanted the story to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can remember watching the first trailer for The Force Awakens and just being so excited. Yeah. Like it's, and it, it like looking back, the things that I was so excited about were just the, the tactile feel of it. Uh-huh. You know, like there's that like... Um, you know, it's like, there's been an awakening or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Have you felt it from a voice talent who did not go on to be in the movie, right? Isn't yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch not in the movie? That's not Benedict Cumberbatch. It's, it's uh, not Benedict Cumberbatch? It's Andy Serkis. That is not. That's Andy Serkis' mm-hmm. voice? Yeah, he did. He did. Um, Snoke, right? Snoke. But Snoke. he does a great Benedict Cumberbatch. He does do a great Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, I mean, better than Benedict Cumberbatch. But anyway, um, I just remember being very excited when, like, the, the door opens on the transport and it's rusty. It's like, like it breaks when it opens. Yeah. And just that key moment was like, oh, this is going to be different than the prequels. Right. You know, like there's, there is not a single speck of rust in the entire prequels because everything is perfect and everything is fancy and everything is like very um, digital. Digital. And also like, um, what am I, it's like a negative word for pristine. It's sterile. Sterile. Right. Yeah. And this clearly was not going to be sterile. Like characters were sweaty and robots were broken and transports were old right like a lot of lens flares i mean so many lens flares which in and of themselves are imperfections that's right so even the camera work was shoddy because there's so many lens flares right Right. like why are you staring at the sun right um no i mean i love lens flares that's how i know it's in the future or in this case the past right um but i just remember being very excited and then afterwards I was on a high, I thought it was great, but quickly, like it soured in my head, and there's a lot of reasons The Force Awakens soured in my head, but I think the biggest one is just that, the, it's, it comes back to your question, the decision to make a new trilogy, no matter what, is depressing. Because Return of the Jedi ends on such a high, mm. right? Like, the Empire is destroyed, um, 
Luke is going to be a Jedi. Han and Leia are together. Um, like Darth Vader is restored as a good guy. Obi Wan Kenobi and Yoda are Force ghosts with their old friend. You know the teddy bears beat the U.S. in Vietnam. Like it all. It was like <laughs> a very happy ending. And so if you continue the story, it can't be happy again. Right. Something bad had to have happened. And it was really interesting to me that the fan backlash on that didn't. It was like delayed until the Last Jedi, hmm. where everyone was like, "Why is Luke?" A depressed hermit and why is Leia like alone and kind of sad and why is the resistance like just a little ragtag band of losers and it's like but this was this was inevitable when you made a decision to continue the story after Return of the Jedi of course you know there because, has to be conflict right yeah. and unless you jump forward a hundred years or a thousand years or whatever if these characters are still in there they can't give you three movies of like the New Republic is doing great yeah you know, or I guess they could, and maybe I would like those, but it would have to be really small. You know, like the New Republic, it'd be more like Star Trek, kind of, right? Like right, 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 the right. New Republic is doing great, and they sent Luke out to negotiate a peace treaty between two planets who are having problems. Right. And that's maybe an interesting realm of stories. But not the Star Wars It's model. not Star Wars, yeah. right? Star Wars is about titanic battles between good and evil, and right. between, you know, the Nazis in the U.S., right? Like that's the that's basis. the story. Yeah. And so, if you continue that story, well, then the Allies have to lose again. Right. And why are we surprised when they lost? Yeah, of course, of course they were going to lose. I didn't know that was part of the backlash. You don't think that was a huge part of the Last Jedi backlash? Like, why is Luke so sad? And it's like, if Luke isn't sad, I mean, The Force Awakens makes it clear that Luke. Like, having lost Ben Solo to the dark side, right. literally flees. He abandons his sister. He abandons his best friend. He abandons both the New Republic and the Resistance. And he just goes off the map. And how is that not him running with his tail between his legs? Yeah. Like, I mean, isn't, like, that's JJ's choice, I guess. Like, it's it was. not... Right, it's not Ryan Johnson's choice to be like, Luke is sad and in exile. No, he was, JJ already, made there. he was already there, yeah. Yeah, and then people were like, Ryan Johnson made Luke sad and in exile, and I was like, I don't So before we get I'm... there... Okay, sorry. No, 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 I'm glad you brought it up. So the decision was made by Kathleen Kennedy and Disney and the shareholders, presumably. <laughs> no, I think, I think change that order. Yeah. The decision was made by the shareholders, yeah. and then also Kathleen But Kennedy. it seems like, in retrospect, such a stupid decision. So maybe yeah. it's just one person. But to... Wait, the new trilogy or year every a movie every year? Well, that's stupid in and of itself. But to take the core next three movies and the, what, the, what they eventually would call the Skywalker saga... And make one every two years. Okay. Instead of the Lucas model of one every three years, one every two years. And because of that, because of that timeline, we're going to have to have a different director for each movie. Oh, that's why? That's that, why. Oh. See, that is like a movie industry thing I didn't think I of. I mean, my guess is that they consider Because they're like handling that, post while... Yeah, exactly. Okay. And they're promoting the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think you could be Clint Eastwood or you could be, I don't know, somebody really special and, and, and get away with that. I mean, Ryan Johnson did make Star Wars in 2017, or Last Jedi in 2017, and he was able to release Knives Out in 2019, so it's not impossible. But Ryan Johnson is a once-in-a-generation talent. So Correct, and also it's, he had quite the jump on that, on with that movie. Anyways, I'm not sure that's why, but it, my guess is 
if you were J.J. Abrams and you just got done making one movie and they asked you to make another one, you would say, I can't make this timeline. I think sure. it's very, very difficult for people to do that. Um, so as a result, they decided they would have different writer-directors for each movie. Mm. And be- and because of that, uh, they had this weird conflict where you had one creative team, J.J. and whoever helped him write those that first movie, establish the movie, cast the movie, set the general story. It was taken up by uh, Ryan Johnson, who did both those things on his own, writer director, and then was supposed to be finished by Colin Trevorrow from uh, Jurassic World fame. Um, infamy, I think, is the in, word you were looking infamous, for there. Thank but you, yes. fa- thank you. Um, and that was the plan. Um, of course, things changed, <laughs> to say the least. And uh, I think the important thing to point out there is that there's no real creative through line sure so except for presumably kathleen kennedy and her team yes but i don't think kathleen kennedy is what they call a creative producer and that's not an insult uh there are people it's not her job it's just not her job there's not people she's not like kevin feige at marvel who like is involved in crafting a story and doing all that you know she was spielberg's um assistant first and then she became his producer and so you know when you're working for spielberg you're you're sort of (laughs) i mean everything you make is great and, 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 and important or whatever mm-hmm. and he's going to do well, but sure. you're at his mercy. He's a very powerful director. You're, uh, the producer isn't really telling Spielberg what to do. Sure. Fine, but I in turn That's for why them, the BFG is straight from the genius mind exactly. of Steven Spielberg. They've certainly had some failures. <laughs> so, um, so you go into these movies and I, I honestly I think that's like a the, was the final nail in the coffin. Like I think that was a tragic mistake yeah. from the beginning. Um, Anyway, so we can let, we should start we should talk about those movies, but uh, I just wanted to provide some context for going into how they made them. And so I did hear this on another podcast, but I thought about it when we first got out of last guy last uh, what was it called Rise of Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker. which is like not even a didn't even make sense. No, um, there have you seen? Do you ever watch? Have you watched Top Chef? Uh, I watched like a few episodes of Top Chef Kids. I think okay, it was cute. He was nice. So they have these things on Top Chef every episode called the Quick Fire, and basically it's people and people. They it's a quick competition, and there's usually some consequences. You know what? I don't think I've seen Top. Oh, I have seen Top Chef. I'm thinking of I'm a mean British man, and I tell people they're terrible. Chef something something kitchen. Yeah, like kitchen confidential or or kitchen on fire. Thank you. Keep heat the kitchen. Right. I don't know. Who cares. So, a quick fire, just a short competition, and okay. one of the one of the ones they do, they do it once every season, um, is this thing where there'll be teams. Um, the, the the chefs are broken up into teams, and some one person starts, and they don't have any connection to their teammate. They don't talk to their teammate. They're essentially blindfolded. They go pick the ingredients for a meal, start cooking it, and then a timer goes off that they don't know about. And they have to switch places. And the person comes in and has to take all the ingredients that that person was making with no instruction and somehow see the dish through. Okay. And they do that, I think, twice or three times. Um, And so that is the analogy I thought of when they made this movie (laughs) is that, like, think about being JJ, think about being Ryan Johnson and being hired to make this movie. And I, I, as I understand it, he was a, he had the script to, uh, what's the first one called? The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens. And wrote his draft based on that. And of course, you know, that in, in retrospect, they are, they understand that it changed quite a bit because you, all the Leia stuff in Rise of Skywalker is from a subplot that was cut out of the first movie. Um, 
but anyways, so he's out. It's essentially you're taking all this. You're working from somebody's script and somebody else's work. Mm-hmm. And imagine trying to do that. And of course, now, you know, they're bookend by J.J. Abrams movies. Anyways, it just seems like a big mess. What are your thoughts on Force Awakens? Yeah, I mean, I think it is an inexcusable original sin of this new trilogy. If if my biggest problem with it is the decision to keep the original characters so that it's always going to be a downer, right? Because then they don't get their happy ending anymore. Then the second biggest flaw with the new trilogy is to not have a plan. Like, just, just the most highest level, you know, like, five points. It could literally be a five-point thing. Here's the villains. Here's who wins in the end. Right. And, like, here are two characters who need to die. Right. You know, not hard, not complicated. To your point about not being prescribed, like, pre- too prescriptive. Like, still give your creatives room to, to grow and try things. Yeah. But, like, if... If Ryan Johnson, and I guess we're just like spoiling nonstop, right? Because like, if you haven't seen these Star Wars movies, like that's not my fault, right? No, so, fuck, yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, there we go. Um, if Ryan Johnson, if J.J. Abrams really did think Ray was Palpatine's granddaughter, and he didn't tell Ryan Johnson, yeah, then like that's someone's fault. That's someone's fireable fault, right? Yeah, and because, I don't think that that's... That's like case. we don't think JJ actually thought that, no. right? I, it does not come across in the no. first movie at all that that's what's what we're leading to, mm-hmm. and and I actually like so I do think it's a fireable offense that someone didn't have a plan for this. I do, however, think it worked in the Last Jedi. Like I think there it worked to have JJ Abrams launch this with like a big nostalgia fest. Get us all on board with this general sort of like things are reset. It's not going to be as complicated as the prequels were, and like it's not going to be as um, well. Luckily, is occasionally deeply offensive as the prequels were. Um, you know, it's it's going to be more what you like about Star Wars. And then Ryan Johnson took that story and and made it a little more complex. He did. He had like a real thought, like something. He had a yeah, thought. Yeah. Something Cause, cause, mostly missing from. The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens was just like, as you said, as you told me, and as Lucas also said, it's just a rhyme. They're all mm-hmm. rhymes. And, right. And, and, and their obsession with the rhyming thing is just like yeah, they're in a it's gutter. It's crazy. Right? And it's like, it's like, it's nearly like beat for beat the same thing as, as, uh, as the original Star Wars. Yes. And for that matter, the Phantom Menace. Like, yeah. Except the Phantom Menace didn't, literally didn't have it. Like, even George Lucas was smart enough to say, well, we're not going to copy the. Death Star model again. Right. No, it's not a Death Star, man. It's Star Killer base. Star Killer base, right? It sucks its energy from a, a sun. Oh, it's oh, and that. this this is better because then it can only be used twice. Right. Perfect. Because when the sun is out in a two sun system, your massive gazillion dollar weapon is useless. Just Brilliant. embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, but like, I think it works in the last shot. The last shot I like took. The Force Awakens and was like, well, what if this happened and what if that happened and like, yeah. but I I did not feel like it was disrespectful. No, I to don't the Force think Awakens. so either. No, I think Rise of Skywalker is like deeply and personally disrespectful. Well, don't go there yet. Don't oh, go there yet. Okay. Well, that's what a lot of my notes are. So I'm just I'm okay, ready good. for that. So good. what do, what do you want me to talk about instead? Well, okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll just give me directions. Let me just let me because because I do because I know that's going to be the <laughs> the shit storm. Yeah. But so before. Okay, so there was a decision made before they made it that they, I guess, an informal thing, but I think it was actually contractual that the first movie was going to be Hans, uh, oh. Harrison Ford's, 
the middle movie was going to be Luke's. Luke's, and the third movie was going to be uh, Carrie Fisher's. I got to raise another hand there. I got to say this. Why do that? I don't now, know. Now, I understand that these people are important to the fans. I understand these characters are important to the fans. But, I mean, and no disrespect to Mark Hamill or Carrie Fisher, RIP. Those two are not popular actors for a reason. Like, one of them wrote books and screenplays well. The other was a well, turned into a very highly regarded voice actor. And Harrison Ford was like at the end of his career. And <laughs> he's like, still putting out movies. He is. He but had a movie yeah, come out sure. this weekend, in fact. But why why anchor yourself and your directors to to doing that? Yeah. I don't know. Because and, and like have have all three of them be the star of the first one. If yeah. you need some sort of like, you know, transition for the fans from like, here's who you loved, and they're giving it over to John Boyega and Daisy Ridley and the internet's boyfriend. What is his name? Uh, yeah, Mr. Yeah, Katie will be mad at me because she loves him. But well, yeah. he's great. I mean, he's great in everything he does. Yeah. And I can't remember his name, so yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not great. Not great. It'll come to us. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, if you need a transition movie, that's fine. But yeah, I I, I don't understand why you would set it up that way so that it's always still about them. You know, even at its even in the final movie, even with like, you know, weird CGI ghost Leia, and by ghost Leia I mean not a force ghost. I mean like, no, like Carrie Fisher is dead. Yeah, like it's still kind of about her. You know, like well, it was supposed to be all about her. I don't, I don't get that. I don't. That doesn't make any sense to me. And this is someone who loves Carrie Fisher in what I think she's in, which is when Harry met Sally. Uh, as like a bit part, right? Yeah, but she's the best. I mean, she's so good in that movie. Yeah, and she's a she was a very talented writer. And, yeah, I love um, Carrie Fisher. Uh, Oscar Isaac is the guy we're thinking of. Oh yeah, Oscar Isaac. He's great. He's great. He can do whatever he wants. Supposed to die in the first movie, but didn't. And, so and I'm happy about back. that. Yeah. That's like, you know, it's like uh, what Jesse in Breaking Bad is supposed to die in the first season, right? And then he doesn't because he's so good. Julie Cooper was supposed to be a. These are all bad examples for me, but yes. Okay, okay well, not, Julie I'm Cooper and Summer were them. supposed to be like bit guest stars on the OC, and then they were so good that they were in it. Julie for, Cooper? She's the main person. She's not. Wait, Misha Barton's character? No, no, no. Julie Cooper is Marissa Cooper's mom. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and they were supposed to just be like guest stars, I think. Well, I guess that doesn't make sense for Julie Cooper, but I don't think she was supposed to be such a big part of the show. And I do think Summer was supposed to be just like a two-episode arc. Right. And then What's-Her-Name was so good in it. Rachel Bilson. Thank you. Okay. Good thing I remembered her name, but not Oscar Isaacs. She hasn't been in anything in 20 years. A-list star uh, with Hayden Christensen in Jumper. And they were married. Yeah. Yeah. They have a couple kids. She didn't die in childbirth, unex- unexplicably. Well, Hayden Christensen didn't try to strangle her right before. Right. So. Okay. So, Last Jedi. This is where this whole thing started. You and I saw did not see the eye to eye in that film. No, because I knew it was good and you thought it was bad. Yep. So, why... Now, I'll, I'll say I have come around on the movie in the sense that I think it's the best of the new trilogy, absolutely, For by sure. far. It's got ideas. He was trying to do something new with it, which, in retrospect, I remember seeing um, <laughs> The Force Awakens and being like, okay, I love the way J.J. makes movies in the sense that minute by minute, they're exciting, they're well edited. I like the way he shoots, to your point, rust on the doors, the squeaky doors. There's, like, life to this this environment. Yep. Like, where, whereas... 
you know, 90% of everything in the prequels was digital, digital sets. Everything was digital. Uh, this has real life again. It's shot back. They're shooting on film. That's smart. He's bringing puppet, puppets back. You know, there's like there's a there's a tactileness to mm-hmm. it, which is great. Um, I love what he did with with the first Star Trek, uh, and he's as you have pointed out, he's good at starting things, not so much as ending things, right. which is important. He's the um, Don Draper of movies. right. <laughs> so, so he does that. Now, looking back, that movie just isn't there. Isn't an any, it isn't anything. It's just like a remake essentially from a story perspective. The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens. Yes. It establishes. I think the one thing it does is Daisy Ridley, like incredible performance mm-hmm. establishes this incredible character to go on and you know they set that up and that's fine and he does a good job i think that movie's pretty good it's fun to watch etc so it and i will say it also does i think a great job of establishing kylo ren oh and uh, yes i'm sorry kylo ren so so like all due respect to jj because he's he started that like that was you know he cast those people they created those characters totally you know i'm sure they were they were uh, they felt you know a, a certain amount of uh, hindrance from having to keep all those other characters that we discussed in all the mm-hmm. movies, but whatever. Okay, so Last Jedi, what do you love about it? Oh, um, well, I thought that was. I just, I really do think it's kind of a perfect Star Wars movie. Like it, it took the things that JJ did right. It like these great new characters, the the tactile feel of it, but then it had it had something to say, and the thing it had to say, I thought was fascinating. Because we are eight movies into this, like eight movies into the sort mm-hmm. of core story. Mm-hmm. And this was the first movie that I thought made the dark side compelling. Mm. And it was willing to say the dark side is not necessarily, like the dark side, equal sign, cross through it, evil. Right? Like it's, Kylo Ren is a bad person. Right. But The, but the Last Jedi goes to great lengths to say he is probably not evil mm. because evil's a cop out right right like evil is just sort of like sure yeah you're like twisting your mustache and laughing hysterically when people die but like kylo ren again not a good person but like did the things he did because he thought he was doing the right thing you know he he legitimately thinks the old system is terrible mm-hmm. like he thinks the jedi are idiotic and kind of just wrong-headed, right? right? And he thinks the New Republic is a bunch of useless bureaucrats just doing nothing right. while things get worse. And of course, he's the thing that's getting worse. But, you know, they were ineffectual and stupid and bogged down in bureaucracy. And he is this sort of like, I have a path forward. I think I've actually developed a path forward. And the movie finds that argument compelling. You know, it allows Ray to be called by the dark side on you know, mystical island or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when she goes down there, she goes into the cave, she goes into the weird snap mirror place, and she finds out, and she doesn't become evil. You know, like she listens to Kylo Ren, she finds his arguments to com- like compelling, and he does- she doesn't become evil, right? Like because you can, you can interact with the dark side and hear what it has to say without immediately becoming a youngling murdering monster, <laughs> right? Sure. Um, and that was just so refreshing to me as someone who was finding this universe because of their obsession with rhyming to be a little, to be small. Right. To just like it was getting smaller and smaller and smaller the further the movies went on. And, you know, when you pair that sort of setting aside the Sith versus Jedi, 
darks versus light, it was more, I have an idea. Sure. Whether that idea is good or not is something you can engage on its own merits. And of course, it's not good because he's advocating for like a horrible fascist society that blows up planets. But it's its own thing, sure. right? Um, and then to pair that with the amazing and like unforgettable decision to make Ray no one. Right. Which and, I, it was what a lot of people love about that. Yes. Movie. And like, no matter what JJ did, that to me is still the most right. earned moment in like the whole new trilogy. And then ends with the little boy on. Oh my God. What, the little broom boy. Little broom, broom boy, boy who is nobody and you see also has force power. Yes. Yeah. And like, that's the best part of this story. You know, like the best part of these Star Wars stories is the idea that you can be no one and like that that you can be the hero without being someone's kid. You know, that sure. you, like you can be Han, nobody. And Han Solo is no one. Right. But he's not he doesn't have the force. No, he doesn't have the force. You're right. He but mocks like, it. Han Solo is no one. Anakin setting aside whether like all the fan theories about Anakin. In movie, Anakin is the son of a slave. Right, but immaculately conceived. Yes, but still the son of a slave. Okay. Like he is literally rising from the absolute bottom you can be in this horrible society. Right. To take over everything, to be the most fearsome force in the galaxy. Who is thwarted by losing the high ground to his master. Yeah, I mean, I just like, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't want to engage on like what okay, is clearly a very fine. stupid okay. decision by George Lucas. So, but like, yeah, you, you have the son of a slave become the the most powerful person in the galaxy by force and you know force power yeah and like that is a really compelling story and i think ray being no one just like even better than anakin was like this this woman is no one on a planet for no one as an adult as no one yeah you know like she's just what scavenger she's a scavenger right yeah. I mean, she has no path forward that doesn't result in her being no one except for sort of luck. You know, and then she gets brought into this and she has such like inner purity and inner like values that she can be challenged a bunch of times and still is a good person. Mm. And it's not because she's secretly Obi-Wan's kid and so, you know, she has his grace inside him right. her or something. Right. It's like, no, she's just a good person. She's just a good person. She's overly force sensitive. Yeah, like just like you could be comma viewer yeah yep. you know yep that's a great point and i think um and and to your point like i mean they clearly in the in the force awakens established that like there's some question about who her what her parentage is sure and but you know but it's so it's so earned to be like you thought you were someone special like kylo's speech on that which is in the trailer i think and like it's just it's that that throne room fight is of course the peak of what i think is the peak of the yeah. new trilogy yeah. right so like peak 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 um but his speech about like, you know who you are. You're nobody. Right. You mean nothing to anyone. You're not a part of the story, but you mean something to me. Right. Like, I'm the one who cares about you. Right. And like, there's some sort of like weird nagging there probably. But like, it's, it's a very compelling sort of director talking to you. And you know? to Johnson's credit, you know, he gets a lot of shit from the fans about Last Jedi, but he created the whole what is the what is the what is the sort of benefer um oh um raylo raylo yeah he created that cuz they yes. weren't they were like complete enemies in the at the end of 
Force Awakens, but he created the little will they won't they he did although sam and diane thing maybe this is like my war on heteronormativity or something but like i i preferred them to be like friends but that which they were in that film they were in the last jedi they are like competitors and friends and people who care about each other sure they were not i don't think i don't think that movie was making them out to be love interests. no not at all because she watched him kill his father (laughs) yeah (laughs) Well, it's then, not exactly the and sign yeah. off on the murder oh, the of like five planets, billions of people, billions. yeah, and like no regrets on it yet, yeah. Like they shouldn't be love interests because he's she asks him to put a shirt on when he's wearing those high waisted yeah. pants, yeah, yes, yeah, when they're force connecting. Okay, so I we can <laughs> move on. So here's what I'll say: I I don't think Ryan Johnson is blameless in this. Okay, I, I think. I think, you know, he's a young guy. I think he's a very, I think he's an ex- incredibly smart director. I think he is one of the people we've been so excited to watch on this podcast. Um, but I don't think he's without blame. I think this was a, I think this was flawed from the beginning. I think some people, I think a lot, I, I, I never understood when directors would walk away from a project like this. Isn't it everybody's dream to direct a Star Wars movie? But I think it shows an incredible, amount of foresight to say this is not the right project for me even though i love star wars it's not the right project for me did and he wait did he walk away from his trilogy we don't know what's happening with that oh okay i wouldn't be surprised if that's been canceled but oh, yeah that's who knows? so sad oh, yeah i hope i hope they do but i so i don't think he's without blame but i do think he's the winner in all this yeah he made a, another movie he made a completely original film that came out you know three weeks before the sequel to his film and has made 160 million dollars. It's a huge, huge, huge hit, an enduring hit. And the sequel to his film has underperformed, to say the yeah, least. For sure. And so I think I don't think he's without blame. I, I'm not like I don't. I'm not the biggest fan of the Last Jedi, but I think it's probably the best movie out of all three. And I do, to your point, like <laughs> you notice in my defense and love of the Last Jedi, not once did I mention the Rose and um, Finn storyline, right? Which is at best, okay. But I didn't even mention the Oscar Isaac storyline, which is better, right? but also fine. Like right. that, the reason I love that movie is exclusively the Luke, Ray, Kylo storylines. Like the, the whole thing with, like on the ship with Leia and Holdo, I think is pretty good. And there, like there's some, there's some good themes there. Yeah, the Holdo maneuver may be the best moment in all Star Wars movies. Yeah, like the Holdo maneuver is just delivered so perfectly and like earned and wonderful, right? Like, and it's just, I remember just being in the theater, like, taking my breath away is a little too dramatic for yeah. it, but like, it was sort of like a, <gasps> yeah. You know, like this, what's happening? Silence. You yes. never hear silence in a Star Wars movie. Never. Yeah. And like, just the perfect moment to break that, that wall, sort of. Um, you know, and it comes right at the peak of the throne scene. Like, that whole maybe 20 minutes in the middle is just yeah. so good. Um, yeah, so it is not without its flaws. I am, like, I like, I like Rose as a character. I think her storyline's kind of boring. Yeah. yeah. Except the fact that it gave us Broom Boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, Rise of Skywalker. Okay, let me let me consult gather my your, notes. Gather your notes. Let me just shuffle, shuffle yeah, all. Make a lot of noise. With all those. the pages of yeah. my notes. We started, we started it, and I was kind of intrigued. I was like, "Oh my god, this, this is moving fast. This is great." Um, but 
I think we both left very unsatisfied. That's right. So where would you like to begin? Let, um, me, let me paint some context for this. Sure, again. I'd love that. Okay, so as we pointed out, Colin Trevorrow was supposed to direct this film. He Is was that really how you pronounce his last Trevorrow, name? Trevorrow, yeah. I don't love that. Um, he was supposed to direct it, and I, I had a bad feeling for him to begin with. Because um, you had seen Jurassic World. I saw Jurassic World. And then you saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, which he wrote but didn't direct. Both he didn't direct them? He didn't, because he was working on this. Oh. Yeah. So... Um, it later came out uh, the some the details of his script came out that we read, and it didn't, <laughs> didn't sound terrible. Yeah, and like that's just like such a like late stage punch in the face to yeah. be like, great, now I have to live in a universe in which Colin Trevorrow's script is better right. than anything else. Right. Like, come on, man! Like, that's not fair. He's so, bad. He is bad. So Kathleen Kennedy, um, who famously, or I should say, infamously. Uh, quite publicly uh, had spats with J.J. on the first Star Wars, fired or rather replaced for the ending um, Gareth Edwards for Rogue One. So somebody else essentially like re- did the reshoots and re- reworked that film. Right. Although for the record, and I hope we discuss this later, like that worked. That was the right choice. Definitely so, worked. Anyway. Rogue One's great. Yeah. Um, and then famously, probably the most famously fired... Um, those dudes, <laughs> I forget their names, who was making The Lord Solo. Brothers or Millar. Lord, yeah, uh, Lord and Taylor. Yeah. No, 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 no. Nope, that's like a fancy store for suburbs. Yeah. That's... Mi- Lord and Miller. Yeah. Lord and yeah. Miller, who, who did the Lego movies. Right. Uh, and had gotten... We're just about to finish shooting Solo, and she fired them. And then Ron <laughs> Howard came in and directed enough of it for bringing back the DGA that he got directing credit. So they reshot 70% of an already very expensive movie, Jesus. which then became even more expensive and bombed at the box yes. office. Very bad. So um, there we are. So then Colin Trevorrow turned his script in. They reworked it. He and his writing partner. And eventually uh, she decided to fire him. And then 18 months before the movie was set to release, they hired J.J. Abrams to direct and finish the trilogy. Which isn't a lot of time when you think about it to rewrite a movie, do all do the extensive uh, pre-production, which means a lot of design, a lot of um, a lot of uh, you know creating puppets and all that shit. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it, and it takes a long time to make these movies. And surprisingly, and maybe not surprisingly, given the given the quality of the product, but the least clashing that seemed to occur on making a, a any of the Star Wars movies that have come out so far was The Last Jedi. They loved, that relationship was famed. They loved Ryan Johnson. Mm. Um, he did a great job. Uh, they He got along with everybody and they were done with the movie. They'd finished the movie like six months in advance. Whereas I don't with, understand why you don't just let him like, okay, we'll we'll push back the third movie and you just make the third they, movie I don't think he us. wanted to. I think he was making Knives Out. He wanted uh, to make Knives Out. And Knives Out is really good. So yeah. like, I'm glad he made that choice, I guess. So with limited time, JJ has to rewrite the movie. And make it for the for the release date. Now, for some reason, Last Jedi was the same way. For some reason, um, they, they've always wanted these movies to come out in summer, but they've always been pushed back for whatever reason. It's weird. I mean, it works in winter. It totally it's works. Like Harry in Potter, winter. it works. Yeah, in winter. they come out because the original ones came out in summer, but they mm. they come out Christmas. They have a huge opening because they're Star Wars movies, yep. and then they make money because there's no movies in January. Right. They make movies forever. They make money forever. So yeah. Okay. So. What do you think? Um, okay, so it was bad. <laughs> I think I, I think I covered that. I don't know. I have a lot of notes regarding 
the plot holes that I felt like this movie had. I yeah. don't feel like I should say all of them. I think the biggest thing is just, I think it's so embarrassing that someone with J.J. Abrams, who has like alias money, came into this and felt like he had to undo every single decision someone else did with his story. Like every beat in Rise of Skywalker does not feel like the beat of the final movie of the Skywalker saga. Right. It feels like the beat was designed to undercut or erase a Last Jedi beat. As an FU to Ryan Johnson. Uh, exclusively, right? And like anyone who says otherwise, it's like, I don't understand how you could see this movie and not not feel this like flying at you. You know, sure. like it's screaming it. Sure. To the point where it's just like little asides about why not do the Holdo maneuver? And they're like, that was one in a million or whatever. And it's like, yeah. okay. And like the decision to make Rose l literally not talk. Right. I mean, she. I think she talks once maybe. Like... It's just very, you know, and the whole Palpatine thing and the uh, Kylo's not his own thing and you need a new um, Snoke in the form of the so Emperor. What were you hoping was going to happen with okay. that? Like, where would you have... I thought the interesting part about The Last Jedi, like, one of the... A good part about The Last Jedi, I suppose, because I already talked about my favorite parts, but, like, it ends and I did not know where it was going next. And that's Okay. You know, like, it's okay to end a movie and be like, I wonder what they'll do next. Sure, yeah, that's a great way to end a movie. Right? Yeah. Like, even Avatar, a pretty bad movie. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're talking about Avatars 2 through 9 or whatever, and, like, I don't know what Avatar 2 is about. Sure. Other than it's underwater. But, yeah. like, you already told the colonial force to leave or whatever with yeah. your flying... They were Please. leaving. They left. They left, yeah. right? So, like, what is it about? I don't know. Sure, we'll see. And we'll see. Three, four to five years, whenever yes. that comes out. Yes, I mean, yeah, hopefully before we die. But, but like, yeah, so I didn't know what this one was going to be about. And I think I was hopeful that it would be about what Kylo would do when actually in power, mm -hmm. when he was just truly the big bad. Right. Um, that, that it played with the fact that, you know, Kylo probably doesn't get to be a good person at the end if he's the big bad. Right. Because he's the one making all these decisions. You know, he's not Snoke's underling anymore. When he chooses to blow up a planet, he did it. Right. You know, even Darth Vader got to be like, well, I murdered all those Jedi, but like the Emperor told me to. Right. You know, but if Sno if Kylo's in charge, he's in charge. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was going to be compelling. You know, I don't know what else I was looking forward to. Maybe more of like the sort of, again, to that gray area that the last Jedi revealed, um, or it's sort of went into that there are people in this universe who are playing both sides and benefiting from this never-ending sub-civil war. <laughs> um, like the most interesting part of Rose's storyline is is Broom Boy and then that, the idea that like all these rich people are like, can you believe they're fighting again? Yeah. Like who cares? Yeah. Who cares if Kylo's in charge or Ray's in charge? We're going to keep making money. Like that was a sort of compelling path to go down. And instead it was like, I mean, instead, it literally, in a weird attempt to do fan service, I think, was aggressively anti-fan. Because this movie basically posits that the entire prequel and original trilogy is kind of useless. Like, the whole narrative of Darth Vader being an unstoppable force of power used for evil until the love he felt for his son. Yep, six movies worth. Six movies, the Anakin Skywalker saga yep. is irrelevant. 
Like the like the Palpatine saga is what these nine movies are. Because he and so just to fill people in, because the Emperor survived. Well, survived so what or, happened? or I know, came back yeah. to life what, using what unobtainium. It? Like I don't. Yeah. Apparently, it doesn't matter. Apparently, it doesn't matter. It doesn't because I don't know why. I mean, I saw the movie and I don't remember. It's very how he's unclear there. to me if he survived falling into a fusion reactor moments before the Death Star blew up, right? Or if he did die and they brought him back with some sort of like, you know, shoot, what's the Voldemort curse? What's the? I mean, you know, he's he's. Oh, I should know this. This is making me feel how, a Horcrux. Apparently, mm -hmm. he had Horcruxes mm -hmm. laying around and came back as a weakened, damaged version of well, himself. Well, that was what that knife was, right? Where you pull the thing off. And, yeah. Just who designed the knife to reveal where it would be on the wreckage of the second Death Star from that exact landing point? Right, at the, and at that particular tidal time as well. Like, of course. What about the tides? <laughs> the tides are relevant. Yeah. And also, it's, it's not on Endor's moon. Or it is on Endor's moon, but not the one we've been to. A different one. Because, you know, why not? Like, why can't we visit the teddy bears again? It's yeah. like, it's so weird to go back to the Because they wreckage. all have to be shot in England. They can't shoot them in, in <laughs> Northern California anymore. Um, no, no, the knife. Credits. And is that knife ancient or is it brand new? No idea. Um, it is genuinely unacceptable that both of us, like, paid real close attention to this movie and we don't know how the Emperor came back. Yeah, that's true, right? Like, that's that's not and like... it was that big plot point was announced over... What was that game called? Fortnite. Fortnite, yeah. Fortnite. Um, I know, is there, does Disney own Fortnite? Like, what's the connection I don't, there? I guess. They own everything. Okay. You know, they probably, like, Halliburton owns it, and Disney has a, you know, part ownership of Halliburton or something. Right, right, right. right. Um, Halliburton's helping them build, like, you know, Disney Asia or something. <laughs> that's yeah, right, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And so they were Disney like, can Iraq. you put this on yeah. Fortnite? Yeah. Um, just synergy, right? <laughs> and this gets to, like, actually the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child sort of made the same mistake with, like, letting, again, spoilers, spoiler alert. Yeah. Having Voldemort have a kid right. directly undercuts what you've designed with Voldemort. Right. And to a much lesser extent, but still a true extent, having the Emperor have a kid undercuts what you've done with the Emperor. The Emperor doesn't love people. The Emperor doesn't want a kid. Right. Like, he's not a dad. I can't even picture him in a romantic relationship. No. And like, am I being naive by saying he has to be in love with a woman to like have a kid? Probably. But like, you know, I, it just sure. doesn't really make any sense to me. And like, I don't think this movie knew who the Emperor was. Like, like they knew he was evil, but they just sort of were like, yeah, I've seen Lord of the Rings. I know what Sauron is. And like, why would a man who, when given ultimate power over everything, surrounded him, himself with wealth and luxury and the finer things, including the Blob Water Show. Right. He loved going to Blob Water the, Show. The Blob Opera? The Blob Opera. Yeah. The Blob Opera. Yeah. He loved the Blapra. And then when he comes back to life, he's like, I should definitely go to the dry fields of Mordor. Right. Or I will build a comically Exigal. evil... Exegol. is what it's called, yeah. <laughs> to, to the comically evil throne where I will view thousands of live or dead yeah. Sith Well, they were building people. all those Star Destroyers, so... I mean, I just don't know why he would condemn himself to hell. He doesn't like hell. No. He's he's evil, but he's not. But he he's has, not Satan. Like, he has some sanctuary that he visits everybody from, and 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 skypes with Vader in the in Empire Strikes Back, 
Like he's somewhere that's not where the Empire is during the first. I three guess, movies. but I still think he likes nice things. No, I agree. Right? But I agree. He's got those robes and he loves the robes. He goes the to the Blapra. Yeah. Um. Why? Who? The final act has like a very video game vibe to it, yes. where it's like. You know, you need to take down the cell tower. Oh no, you took it down, and there's a second cell tower yeah. on a moving object. It's just like very basic, <laughs> which feels very. I think the Avengers movies also suffer from that, like very video gamification of like. But that's interesting because the what's called the portal sequence in Endgame. A lot of people thought that that was copied directly in Rise of Skywalker. Um, I saw Endgame, and I don't recall the portal sequence. The portal sequence is when. Uh, Cap is on his own about to fight uh, Thanos and oh, it's for the sure. on your left and all the portals open and, and all the people come in. 20 minutes in. of sustained fan service. Ensues. Exactly, yeah, exactly. For sure. Um, what else? I don't, I don't want to go through all these because they, no, they're very long and very petty. But like, okay, then, then the last thing I'll just say is I still don't understand what happened at the end because Ray comes to Mordor and Exegol. I'm going to call it what it is. Okay. It is Mordor. That, okay. w- that's not a Star Wars set. That's a Lord of the Rings set. Pretty well, it's not a set. They didn't build anything. It's all a green <laughs> That's screen. a good yeah. point. But like, it's pretty explicitly like a sure. it's stolen from it, right? And the Emperor is like, well, Ray, I've got you in quite a catch-22 here. Yeah. Because if, like, if, I, if you let me kill you, then I'll continue to be a weird reanimated corpse clone thing. But with a arm he was connected to like a an arm yeah like one of those iv things that you walk around right yeah, but, but like a like, big arm yeah but if you kill me i will then possess you through the power of whatever i want but right. the power of screenwriting yeah. right um force being the uh maltese falcon here or the whatever it's called yeah like the, that. yeah yeah D- it, dss machina should be is more that's more right more likely yeah so like so they're like, oh, what are we going to do? I mean, we're, we're at a loss, right? And then he's like, oh, I didn't know you were a dyad with this other kid. And so as a result, I can suck your life force or something. Right. So he sucks the life force, but then he stops sucking the life force for some reason. Okay, I can't remember. But like, <laughs> he, sucks, he stops sucking the life force, and then he starts shooting force lightning at her. And she pushes it back with both the Skywalker lightsabers. Mm. And for some reason, he doesn't stop because the light, the force lightning is literally killing him. It's it's burning him mm. away. And he's like, just turn it off. Just turn off the right. force lightning, right? But he doesn't, I'm assuming, because it implies that if he stopped, she would kill him, mm. right? She'd just take both lightsabers and cut him in half. So he has to keep force lightninging. But then why, when she kills him, does she not become him? Yeah, because he said that. He said that. And then he didn't say, and now the rules are different. But he, didn't she kill him in a different way? Well, she killed him with force lightning bounced back at him, but I don't under, like, why would the force be like, oh, you don't understand? It was <laughs> no, bounced no, 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 back no, no. force different, lightning. Different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. wasn't a hot same. blade through his belly. Yeah. So no possession, like right. as if there's some referee in the sky being like, that's actually a disqualification. Right. I just, like, it's very dumb. I think it's dumb. It's bad fan fiction, you know? And I think there's better fan fiction than Rise of Skywalker. Sure. But also just when you compare it to, again, I love Harry Potter, but you compare it to that final chapter both in book and movie. And that, those were very clear on what the rules were. And they right. almost always stuck to them. 
Like the only thing that it really does is like this weird trace thing where like you can find out if someone says a name or magic and the Ministry of Magic knows that and it's like kind of a stretch because why wouldn't they have done that for the previous six movies or books? But <laughs> what, other than that, like the rules regarding like horcruxes and why Harry gets to die and live are very clear and followed. Yeah. You know? And this movie is just like, I don't know. Everything works out. Right. You know? Like does not know. I don't think they know. Like this is just one of those like, it's not like I didn't pay attention. I honestly don't think the screenwriting team behind Rise of Skywalker knows why it's different for the Emperor to die that way. Yeah, because they invented the thing in the first place. That right. What, this new, this idea that like you can like jump into somebody else's body or right. something. Well, or, and that you can move things through space because you're a force dyad. Yeah. A word I don't want to use anymore no, because it's no, very dumb. Yeah, don't. Didn't even know that was a thing. And like, I'm confident that the fans have explained this away, and I'm sure the official Star Wars Twitter account would have an answer for me now. But I don't think they knew when they filmed this movie. No, and the whole thing felt like an afterthought. Just like yes. So when I was watching this, I could not. And this is a similar problem I have with 1917. I just could not stop thinking about the circumstances under which the film was made. Oh, like where the cut's gonna be? Because that pulled me out of 1917 for 90% of the movie. Exactly. That's what. That's what I mean about that. But like. You guys were under a, an extraordinary deadline to get this movie done. Yeah. And you didn't figure out how to make it. Yeah. You made a movie that was just like, oh, well, well fuck. Okay. So she's, uh, she's, <laughs> she's, uh, she's the emperor. Who, who can we bring? Who's the villain? Okay. We'll bring the emperor back. Okay. But then, okay. So she, who's Ray's parents? Okay. She's that. And then, oh, we'll have him go here. We'll have him go here. And then and, and the whole, the whole movie is this like sustained energy, which, if, which for the first 20 minutes, I was like, okay, this is interesting. Sure. Like, this is what I like about J.J. Abrams as a filmmaker. Yes. He's a very energetic filmmaker. He's good at, you know, making you feel from moment to moment like there is a lot of, um, a lot happening on screen. But then after a while, it just felt like, oh, they don't have any idea what no. story they're telling here. But and I was and I was excited that they were bringing the Emperor back. I don't know why. I didn't make the connection that it would be. But I like the Emperor. The Emperor is a very good villain. It felt like it was possible to wrap up the Skywalker yeah. saga in an interesting way by doing so. But what a dumb decision. Yeah. What a dumb way to connect it back. And yeah. so stupid. And I stand by. I think it turned it into the Palpatine saga. Right. At the end of the day, right? And that was the it's thing. It's his it, story now. It is. And that's it's so not what you want it to be. Nope. It is his story. The fact that, like, what's his name? Snoke was working for him the whole time. That was stupid. He was a clone. He was a clone. It's just like... Oh, well then, yeah, all the actions of the Skywalkers were kind of useless. Yeah, it's the Spectre ending. Do you ever see Spectre? Oh, well, I've seen Spectre and I still don't understand what happened in okay, it. Okay, well, so... Because that movie assumes I care about the franchise more than I do. Yes, exactly. You know where they're like, remember in Casino Royale? And it's like, no, I don't. Right, well, he basically goes, uh, what's the guy's name? Um, Blomfeld or Bloomberg. Yeah, Bloom, or, Bloom, Bloomberg. Bloomberg. Let's just call him Bloomberg. Yeah, Bloomberg says... Uh, you know, I was the guy behind all the villains of <laughs> all the right. Daniel Craig That's movies. Right. And he's like, and you're like, what? <laughs> I don't think so. No. And like, why do that? Why do that? Why do it? It's like, it's like, oh, he's this significant character in retrospect. Like, yes. And you're, and, and then you go back and you're like, oh, this Casino Royale is so much less interesting because this character is just a cipher for... For Bloomberg. Yeah, for, right? for Knowing for he's just there. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. It's a very dumb move. And I don't think it landed. I don't think it worked out. I, I will say I did write a note. Rise of Skywalker wasn't exclusively bad. Okay. What do you like about and it? And so you liked the first 25 minutes and sort of the propulsive pace. And I will say that 
okay, if I if I say that Ray being no one is my favorite part of the whole new trilogy, I will say that Ray choosing to be a Skywalker is okay in terms of her being a Palpatine. Like if I have to What do you mean? If I have to live in a universe in which Ray is a Palpatine, which is dumb and makes no sense. But if I have to live in that universe, Ray like choosing her family? It's it's sort of this it's sort of like the same. It's is sort of the Ryan Johnson ending. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Like she's saying, "You know what? I'm not. I don't want to be a Palpatine." And she's saying like your blood doesn't direct who you are. Right. Your past doesn't direct who you are. And like this sort of I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is a quote from BoJack Horseman, but I wrote it down because it's a good one. But it's from Diane, and she's like, I don't think I believe in deep down. I kind of think that all you are is just the things that you do. Yeah. And like, Ray is basically that personified, right? She's like, I understand that deep down I'm a Palpatine. And so, like, whatever, maybe that has some effect on my force abilities or whatever. But like, I am what I do. And what I do is the right thing. Right. I help people. I save people. I'm kind. I'm generous to little lost robots. You know, like, I'm a good person. And the good people in this universe, which unfortunately has been reduced down to three families, are the Skywalkers. And so I am a Skywalker. Right. And, like, I am a sucker for chosen family stories. You know, like, that's, they're very meaningful to me. They always land with me. And so that lands in retrospect if I have to live in a universe in which Rey is a Palpatine. Okay, but why was she a Palpatine? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I hate it, I hate it. I probably reject it as like, I just do reject Rise of Skywalker's fan fiction just like I do Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. I don't think they have You mean as canon? Yeah, they're not canon. Right. I think they were, they exist out there. But just like if I logged onto Tumblr right now and be I would find a fascinating number of stories in the Star Wars universe. None of them are the story. No. Do you think people like this movie? I have... Yes. People like this movie. People like this movie. Because it's by far the like least successful of the main trilogy. Yeah. I know. But people like this movie. Do you think that Ryan Johnson's going to get the blame for this movie bombing? Not bombing. It's getting, no. It made money. It made money. But If anyone blames Ryan Johnson, they aren't paying attention. Uh, seriously. Like, I think... Ryan Johnson's movie made money, for the record. It made yeah. more money than this did. A lot more. And, like, I think all the people who threatened to not see the final chapter because they didn't like Ryan Johnson's movie were absolutely bluffing and were the type of people who would for sure see the new yeah. Star Wars movie. Like, Katie, my Katie, yeah. wanted to see, we wanted to go see Last Jedi twice, I think. I'm pretty sure. And she really liked it and wanted to watch it a bunch of times. Yep. Then had no interest in seeing this movie. Yep. I saw The Last Jedi three times in the theater. Yeah, I was like, do you want to go? I don't know. Because it didn't get your reviews. Everybody was no. saying it was bad. Did we know she was a Palpatine when we went into this, the movie? No, but we, I think we were worried. Okay. Because this is the kind of movie where, like, you know, Kylo has to remake his mask. Yeah, right. So I think, I, honestly, I think, I think JJ comes out of this one looking pretty bad. Very embarrassing. Just, like, kind of spiteful. Yep. Petty. Petty, very petty. And he didn't make a great movie. No, and inept. Yeah, inept. Yeah. And like, I, it made me think of him as, you know, where I had like kind of great regard for his ability to like restart these franchises. Makes me wonder if he's a substantive filmmaker. I'm not sure. I don't think that he is. 
Um, okay, I have a question for you. Okay. Because this is a question for the entire Star Wars, what, a, what the Skywalker saga. Okay. Because I can't, I don't understand the rules of what it means to go to the dark side. Okay. Is that a question? I guess it's a statement. I'm going to give you a spiel. You can en engage if you want. Okay. So, like, again, this gets to the, the idea that, like, other fiction series are way better at setting rules and then sure. following them. Sure. And I think Star Wars is sort of uniquely bad at that. Yeah. Um, and it really comes through in Rise of Skywalker because in Rise of Skywalker, Kylo Ren is evil, right? Um, he's not troubled. He's like in, in Force Awakens, he is trying to decide who he wants to be. And in The Last Jedi, he is a zealot in his beliefs, but he is not evil. Yeah, and he sort of has that Darth Vader thing where like, he's on the brink. He, yes. They could bring him back if yes. she keeps saying there's light in him, there's good in him. Right. Yeah. I think Rise of Skywalker is like, he's an evil guy. It, the, like the first 45 minutes to an hour is like, he's just an evil guy. He's a bad man. He kills people for fun because he's evil. And then Ray sticks the lightsaber in him and Leia goes, Ben, right? As she dies, right? And then he stops so, being. But no, she goes, Ben, which makes him look weird. Oh, that's right. And You're then right. she stabs. Like, the order's wrong. You're yeah. right. She distracts him so that. Ray can girl, kill him. Yes. And then Ray decides not to kill him with no reason. No one has earned the not killing of Kylo Ren, right. but that's sort of a different thing. Well, they don't, and they don't kiss there. They kiss later. No, but then Kylo Ren becomes Ben Solo again. Right. And Ben Solo not only drops the mask and the cape and the outfit, which is a loss because Kylo Ren's outfit I think is pretty good, but he like moves differently. Mm. He doesn't just smile. He has a different physicality. Right. He's not as weighed down. Yes. Like yeah. Kylo is like stomping around yeah. kind of, even when he's like athletically stomping. Mm -hmm. But like Ben is very agile and like pouncing and yeah. sort of like having fun with mm -hmm. it. Right. And what I, what I struggle to understand in this universe is like, like is Kylo run a different personality? Because, like, I don't know if you've watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show at all. No, you know I haven't. Okay, well, missed opportunity. Right. I'll just say that. <laughs> you've got plenty of time. Viewers, listeners, listeners. Listeners. Please, please watch Buffy the Vampire sure, Slayer. Sure, sure, we got lots of fans. Earliest, earliest opportunity. Anyway, the point is, in that show, people have souls or they don't have souls. Okay. Right? And if you don't have a soul, you can still be sort of trained to do the right thing but you don't understand really why you're doing the right thing. Like you don't, like there aren't, you don't have like an inner voice. You don't have someone being like, you should feel bad about what you did or mm -hmm. like there are consequences to what you did. Right. So, so you end up often still doing kind of bad things even though you're trying to be a good person. Sure. And, and I say that because like there are some characters who have souls and who don't have souls and then some characters like lose their soul and get it back and like So these are human beings who don't have souls. No, they're vampires okay, okay. and like demons. But the point is, like often there are different personalities like they have different memories. They are literally a different person in and outside. Like there's demons and there's non demons and right. whatever, right? Um sometimes related to souls, sometimes not. This is more complicated than I meant it to sound. That's fine. I meant this as the simple one. <laughs> But in Star Wars, it's like, I can't tell if Ben Solo is Kylo Ren who now regrets his actions. Right. Or if Ben Solo has like literally been in a cryo chamber, sort of, in yeah, his own I got brain. You. I know what you're saying. For 20 years. Yeah. 
And then when Kylo dies, right. Ben is reborn. So here's what I think. I think Darth Vader, in the scene that happens, I believe, at like the, it's like the AT-AT port on the forest moon of Endor. Okay. Do you remember that scene where they're, where he, Luke's been, Luke surrendered and. When they're on the balcony, like in the hallway? Yes. Yeah. And he tells him, like, you don't understand the power of the dark side. To me, I think it's like alcoholism. It's like you are obviously controlled by this awful thing that you know is bad, but you can't quit it. And but you you're still there. You're still there. Your personality is still there. You know it's bad. You have the you have the ability to say, like, I shouldn't be doing this. I yes. love you, my son, but I do these terrible things because I can't escape the power of the dark side. And so... What I think is particularly um, sort of offensive about that scene is that somehow, like, that struggle is really what makes up at least uh, the first six movies is, is about that struggle to mm-hmm. some extent, right? Um, and whether you buy in, I mean, you obviously love Revenge of the Sith, and that's, that's his whole story is about that struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you buy that, great. I think it's particularly works particularly well in that scene in 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 um, Return of the Jedi, but the idea that he's just like snapped out of it, like it's some some like curse that he that is suddenly lifted from it, is not the point. That's not what happens. Right. That's not what that isn't like, the thing. But you you're... see him, you see him like strike back against Snoke in the other in the first in the second movie in in Last Jedi, and so there's some like there's some of his personality remaining. But he doesn't have that str- he, like you never hear him say those those the type of Darth Vader words like you don't understand the power I can't give this up. Right, like he Darth likes Vader, it. He's embraced. Yes, it. Yeah. and Darth Vader is like trapped in his universe. Right, right, and like he is. Dr- I think alcoholism is right. It's probably a great thing. Like he is drunk on it. He knows that this is what causes all the misery in his life. Right, and he keeps going back to it. Right, right, and so when he's like dying in his son's arms, it's like. I'm still, I'm the guy who did all those things. Right. You just finally got me sober. Right. But like, I mean, when you're drunk, you're still you. Right. Like when I am blacked out, I am still me in there. Like I may not remember it, I suppose, but like that's still me making all those decisions. It's just me making terrible decisions. Right. Sure. And like the, the sort of soul voice has gotten muted. And so you are more wild and sometimes you're meaner and all those things right Right. but like i think rise of skywalker was sort of treating it as if it was like ben was hidden like a curse like a hypnotism yes and like ben woke up and and they did it so that they could have that kiss and so like ben's a good guy right it's like no ben was drunk yeah but ben was still there like ben was drinking right you know, and I mean, I guess this is more weighted than we thought. Like, I'm not trying to say like, you know, every drunk person is like unforgivable or no, supposed for their not. activities. No, no, but, no, it's more about your yeah. But like, when you are drunk, it is still you. Yeah. You know. And when he kills his father, that's a great moment to JJ's credit. Like, he you can see that there's regret yes. that he feels like he has to do it. Yes. And he does it, and I mean, that's why. Unfortunately. What's, what's such a shame about Rise of Skywalker is that like this character that JJ created, like he that that guy, I think uh, Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren is is probably the most underserved character in that one. In and, the third one, yeah, for in sure. Rise of Skywalker, for sure. And, like it, it's because so, so, Adam Driver is doing such good work with it. Such good work. He's, I mean, obviously he's had an incredible year. And you look, I, I forget if I saw, I, I must have seen this after Marriage Story, but I looked at it and I'm just like. Oh, this poor guy. 
Yeah. Like, you know, he's a serious actor. He can't watch him, like, famously can't watch himself on screen. And I don't blame him for not watching him in this particular movie. Like, he's great. He's doing good work. Yeah, it's, but like, it's not his fault. The third movie is not his fault. I don't think it's any of the actors' fault. Like, even even John Boyega and his bizarre storyline with the horse people. Like, I, I have no idea what's happening there. No. But it's not his fault. Yeah. You know? Like, he's force-sensitive or whatever. Literally never. Like, I, again, I think that is, I think that writing crew forgot to have him have his big cathartic moment. Right, because we thought it was going to hit him saying, I love you, Ray. Yes. Yeah. That is, this is a like $300 million movie, and yeah. they literally forgot Just to forgot. wrap up a storyline. Yeah. All right, anything else? Uh, Rogue One's great. Rogue One is very good. Best Solo, war movie ever. Solo's bad. Solo's super bad. Any movie that would kill Tandy Newton so quickly is unacceptable. Yeah. I am mostly excited for Westworld Season 3 because of Tandy Newton. <laughs> okay. I know that I am alone in being excited for Westworld Season 3. Yeah, I think you're the only person on the planet, right? No, I believe there were some cheers at that Comic-Con video. Okay. It's not just me. Okay. Um, let me pursue my notes. HBO plants. Sorry, peruse my notes. Okay, there is one, there is another note I just want to make about Star Wars. And I think it came through, you kind of mentioned it in this Clone War thing, and I just, I should have mentioned it back then. But I think it is increasingly suffering from this sort of like, all our materials are part of the story. Yeah. Um, and there were moments in Rise of Skywalker where it was like, yeah, you should know this character from the Fan. Clone Wars season two. Fan service. Yeah, and it's like... Yeah, I, well, because people like us have been... The, the only thing bridging the gap between Revenge of the Sith and this has been 10 years of Clone Wars. I know, but like... So there's I, a whole generation of fans. There are, but I just think like Star Wars for our dads, I suppose, right. is a movie. Star Wars is a movie. Yeah. There are not Probably TV shows. Probably a bad movie. <laughs> yeah. There are not books. There are not TV shows. There are not comic books. Yeah, but... Yeah, There okay. are nine movies. Yeah. And, and like the Lord of the Rings actually pulled this off, I think, really well by developing three movies that were designed for mass audiences that everyone who goes to Lord of the Rings is not like, I wonder if that's the Glorfindel who was also in the first age, right. who fought Morgoth and died and went to the Houses of Healing. Is right. that right? Is that the same Glorfindel? Right, like Houses of Healing. That's a Led Zeppelin album, isn't it? Well, Houses of Healing is actually in Minas Tirith. This is the Houses of the Dead. Anyway, Halls of the Dead. Sorry, okay. too much. Okay. But like the point is, they made really mass market movies. You know, like for anybody who likes fantasy, okay. I suppose. And then they released extended editions, which were like, were you waiting for the scene between Eowyn and Faramir yeah. in the Houses of Healing in right. Minas Tirith? And it's like, I rose my hand and I was like, said, I was said, waiting. yes, and a million other people did, yeah. Right, like that scene's actually very important to sure. me in the books, but I understand why it didn't make it into the, the theatrical cut. Because anybody who didn't read the books is like, why are we at this hospital? Right. This is meaningless. Right. We've met this character for like 14 minutes on screen, right? Star Wars is getting to this really weird place, both in the movies and in like The Mandalorian, where I feel like you're asking me to watch all of your other stuff mm. in order to understand this thing. Right. Like the final scene of The Mandalorian where Gustavo Fring gets out of the <laughs> like gets out of the Right, that sword has significance. The, the which, sword yeah. has significance. And I had to Google it because clearly it had significance. And it was like, I don't want to have 
to watch everything you do to appreciate anything you sure. do. Sure. But I didn't think you, you got out of that. You could, you didn't have to necessarily know because I didn't know and I appreciated it. I guess. I just, I think it was apparent in Rise of Skywalker with a lot of this like, you know, that great, we were talking about this, but that great Elijah Wood Twitter comeback where right. like, you know, some Star Wars official account was like, DYK, like, did you know that like an army of Sith loyalists yeah. built the, the fleet on Exegol? And, and what's his name? Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood responded with, no. <laughs> How would we know that? <laughs> no, yeah. Because like the movie didn't tell me, right? So like it's a plot hole if the movie doesn't tell me. And you can't just be like, oh yeah, it was referenced in issue number 73 of sure. Darth Vader versus Exegol Sith Loyalists. You know, like mm -hmm. that's not an okay way to make a movie according like according to me. <laughs> no, I, is, and I agree. Right? And like I think even Avengers Endgame suffered from that where it's like you, in order to have some of those moments landed, you have to remember Thor 2. Yeah. Which is like, all right, I guess this is the summary movie, like the final movie, but I don't think I should have to watch everything you do in order to send, understand anything you do. Yeah. So before we go. Oh, yeah, sorry. Where do you want to see Star Wars go? Actually, how would you have done this one differently? What would you have done differently if you were Kathleen Kennedy? You don't. You're not. Un you're unhappy with the script. What do you do? What do you do if you're? Do you do you, do you, do you pay? I th my guess is that you have you know Disney's um, you know parks department pick up a you know a dump truck full of money, drive it over <laughs> to Ryan Johnson's house and open it up and dump it into his driveway. Whatever it costs to yeah. get him to delay Knives Out. Although, you we'll know, clone you so you can finish Knives right. Out. We'll but use then make this other the one. Emperor's cloning yeah. technology. Right. Sorry, off off topic. What would I do with Star Wars? Well, um, Rogue One was excellent. Okay. And I would keep going down that path. I would look for ways to do self-contained stories about places that are interesting, you know, that do not involve the main characters or do involve them in like a cameo, right? Like mm -hmm. just sort of a like, yeah, this is what like, Rogue One did such a good job of that with Darth Vader. Mm. Like, it's not about, it's not a movie right. about and Darth that, Vader. And that, that particular section was added by... In the really? Movie. Yes, the, the ending with him. Yeah. And it totally lands. It shows what he was doing during this time. It shows that he is a part of all these stories, but not the main character. Right. And it showed him being so cruel and vicious and, and also pathetic and sad. Like, it, I loved that. Right. Every part of it was great. So I, I would do more of that. I mean, I think... If I were giving them advice for whatever they do next, it would be to, like you said about the public health videos, assume people are coming at you with zero knowledge. Like, one of the weirdest parts about The Force Awakens still to me, a movie that mostly, that really worked when I watched it, and still somewhat works, is like, it doesn't lay any groundwork for anything at all. What is the New Republic? What is the Resistance? Like, it has one line in the scroll Right. That sort of explains this stuff or this whatever. Yeah. And like, I need you to give me a little more. What's the what's the first order? Like, I don't, it arose from the ashes of the empire. I might need more. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. That's why you're are, hoping for the, the Lucas over explaining. Like, we were just finishing Rises, or Return, Revenge of the Sith. And he ties up every loose end. Every loose end. He is. lets characters be like, wipe the memory of that protocol yeah. droid. And it's like. Yeah, because in order for New Hope, for C-3PO not to be like, oh, hey, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. Like, he has to remember nothing, still, right? Still, still, Ben Kenobi should remember R2-D2. Well, 
it just turns out Ben Kenobi's a selfish prick. Yeah, because he, he doesn't remember staff. He doesn't remember See? staff. He's, That's why you know he's an elitist. He smoked a lot of the whatever the fucking you know equivalent to marijuana is in the you know sandworm urine. Sandworm urine. Yeah. that he was doing up there, and he's that crazy old man up uh, up there in. Crazy uh, <laughs> old man. It's yeah. been fifteen years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it's been a, it's been a rough fifteen years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Ewan McGregor, 20 years later, yeah. is about to film a TV show in which he still basically looks the basically same. Basically looks the same. But yeah. Alec Guinness was 100 years old. Yeah, what up? Yep, yep. 100 years old playing older. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that's... I would just, like, give a little more. Like, more background, more, like, attention to sure. those sorts of, like, world building. Sure. Like, Star Wars is such a fun universe to spend time in in your head. Yeah. Um, even as someone who didn't read the books, but who has watched the movies a million times, it's fun to like think about that universe and sure. what else was going on and what the characters would do in different scenarios, right? Like, and I think this new trilogy put so little into the world building mm -hmm. that it was just like, uh, yeah, the First Order is it's like the Empire. Yeah. It's like the Empire, but with Snoke instead of the Emperor. Right. It's like, all right, I guess that works, but that's not much. Yeah. What yeah. would you do? Uh, that's a great question. Um, well, what I was going to say, going back to my first part of the question, yeah. I was really hoping, and if I were Kathleen Kennedy and I had the power to do this, I would have delayed Star Wars a little bit, Sure, backed that Disney dump truck into Ryan Coogler's yard. And Ryan Coogler is, uh, oh, Black Panther? Black Panther. Slash Fruitvale Station? Correct. Now, I thought he was able to find something very, very interesting. Yeah. And modern to do with that with that with that character. Two thirds of Black Panther is an excellent movie. Yes, and the reshoots and the remake of the, yeah, and and are you can tell um, the back third is just like terrible, so boring. Yes, um, and I, I I felt that he, and he built to your point world building. He yep, built that sure. world and Wakanda feels more real than almost like any Star Wars planet exactly in one movie. And so I was like, nine. you know, God, he would have been a and I I bet you. That they would have looked to him and had the schedules worked out a little bit better. Mm. Um, yeah, but I would have just waited. And I think that that was their big thing is like they just had, had they were like, we're going to make one every two years. No budging. Well, why not? Why not? Like yeah. even Lucas, who's one man, like he he's just a guy with all the money in the world, knew that he should take three years between each movie to make. Yeah. And this machine that was Disney had to make one every two years. And think about like the flexibility that would have given you. You know, we would have been. I think we would have been getting, so we would have had Last Jedi a year later, yeah. 2018, and then we would have been waiting. We would have the next one this year. That's fine. That's not fine. a big deal. The momentum's still and there. Also, you could have done other Star Wars projects. Like to your yeah. point, like all the the Skywalker saga needs three years between movies. Yeah, you could have done a Rogue One and a Solo and a. Whatever other story you want to tell here, Old Republic, yeah. et cetera, if you really want to make money every year. But, like, if you want a back-to-back -back story. Well, they are making money. I mean, they have that on Galaxy's Edge thing. Like, they're they're making it work. And yeah, another thing fine. I've been wanting to say, so Solo, I hated it. You hated it. We didn't like it. But, That's like, true. they just totally overreacted to the failure of that movie. They, like, Bob Iger was like, We're, we got to step back and rethink this whole thing. You made a bad movie. Yep. It happens. Yeah. You know, like, don't worry about your formula works. Rogue One was like this massive hit that nobody expected. Just go with it. Like, yeah. you made a bad movie. You made a bad mistake. That's fine. It's not yeah. a big deal. It happens. It, it'd be like, I mean, it's so, like as if HBO just never, like, greenlit another big budget fantasy epic because Game of Thrones 
ended badly. Ended badly. Yeah. And it's like, but it made you untold money for seven straight years. Right, exactly. You know, like, It's like those people who say, God, can you believe how those assholes ended Game of Thrones? Well, wait a second. They made you very, very happy for six and a half seasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so that is, like, I, I still do like Star Wars. Rise of Skywalker was bad. It's a bad movie. Yep. Um, is it worse than Solo? I, ooh, no. Oh, so. it has a worse impact, but as yeah. a movie, it's better. Okay. As much as it, and I'm glad, I'm honestly glad we waited like two months to do this because as as vitriolic as this discussion probably has been, <laughs> when Chapin and I were at dinner afterwards, we literally just spent two straight hours being like, that's the worst piece of garbage I've ever seen and yeah. I hate every single part yeah. of it. You know, and like Star Wars, as much as it is to America, not the rest of the world, to America, an important cultural artifact yeah. has always had room for bad Star Wars. Sure. Because, like, after Empire Strikes Back, it's at best every other one. You know, like, Return of the Jedi already wasn't liked by people when it came out. Right. And has only sort of, like, blossomed in people's memories because Phantom Menace was so bad. Right. You know, and then, like, I think Revenge of the Sith is great. Not everybody feels that way. Everybody liked Force Awakens when it came out. Less so now. Right. Everybody split on Last Jedi. Like, this has always sort of been, uh, you know, it's not perfect. Star Wars is not a perfect 10. Like almost any other thing. Yeah. You know, like, there are good parts and there are bad parts. And so it's a bummer that the concluding chapter of the Skywalker saga or as I will always be referring to it as the Palpatine, <laughs> Palpatine saga. saga. Um, it's a bummer that the f concluding chapter was a bad one, but you know, the opening chapter of it is bad too. Yeah. And there's just some good stuff in the middle. Yeah. Um, before I leave, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on the podcast. <laughs> I have no idea if anyone is still listening after that two hour long. It is two hours. You, you, wanted, you wanted to be the 45 minutes and now it's two hours. I'm, I'm really, really hopeful that Chapin edits some of this down so that you do not get a two hour podcast and that this is actually just closer to I an can hour. Do that. But I don't know how I'm going to do that. But. If you somehow made it through two hours, thank you so much. Okay. Kevin's Corner. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Kevin, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, please uh, email in. I want we want to know what you think. I'm sure people have opinions about everything we've said on this version, and and we don't always reach this. You know, we're kind of highfalutin, and you know, we're oh, films, and you know, <laughs> da 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 da. Uh, and so we don't always talk about the sort of fan servicey stuff like we are today. So I'm sure people have opinions. Feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com. Send your voice memos. I'd love to know what you guys think about this. Should we do another one of these? You know, while I was thinking about, while I, while we were talking, I think it might be a good one to do uh, a, uh, a retrospective on the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings Hobbit films. I think that's a similar sort of comparison here. Um, I, I would be delighted to talk about Lord of the Rings, and I will... I will turn everyone off with my nerd level on Lord of the Rings. I think you will. But, like, I don't think anybody has to watch or talk about The Hobbit again. Right, either. right. Well, that's the point. What went wrong? <laughs> okay, okay, all right. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. 